is Jesus the only way to heaven? Don't anybody leave the room until I finish talking to you, right? I'm asking that question I'm fully aware of the fact that more than half of American Christians say no. Now, that might surprise you. More than half of people like you think that there may be other ways to heaven, other ways to eternal life. And I think on the face of it, all of us would say, hmm, of course he's the only way. But some of us might dare to talk about some questions we have about how that can be logistically true, for example. What if people never hear about him? Can they not get to heaven? Um, what if uh, they don't understand about him? Can they get to heaven? Um, and you, you can tell there, there are differences in the nuances of even how I'm talking about this, but uh, just on surveys, more than half of American Christians would say there's more than one way to heaven than Jesus. So that makes today's talk important for us, I think, because uh, you may decide to either stay in the church or leave the church, depending on my answer to that question, right? So we could take a straw vote, but I, no, I don't think we'll do that. I'll just ask you to hang in there and listen to what we're talking about. So we're actually finishing our talk um, about meeting Jesus again for the first time. And what we have done um, is, is to try to honestly peel back a lot of the things that we have just sort of assumed about Jesus or come to believe about Jesus, a lot of the things that have become the religious packing around followers of Jesus called Christians, because Christianity now is a couple of thousand years old. It has gone through many iterations and many versions and all of that. So what we're wanting to do is have just sort of a fresh look at Jesus and say, suppose we had never met him before, and we met him for the first time. What would that be like? Would we still come to the same conclusions, like the question I've just asked you today, um, or would we think differently about him? Um, and so we went to all of the times that John, Jesus' friend, remembered that Jesus introduced himself by saying, I am something. And we saw that it was, it was really cool how he talked about himself because against the thousands of rules of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, Jesus talked ordinary language and said, I'm like the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, in fact. Um, I am the bread of life. Just like you need nourishment, I'm the whole bread of life. And all of those things we noticed and they began to grow together to be a lovely composite of how Jesus introduced himself. Today we're coming to the last of these, and it's actually a triplet, three things that he said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this actually becomes the anchor, I think, of this series, where we try to understand how it is that these three things explain everything else that he has said, and what do we what do we do with what he has said in that? So we saw the first part of John chapter 14 last week. It said this. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get a room ready for you, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. That last statement sets up what we're about to see today as the discourse carries on. So here he is, and he's talking to the disciples who are really, really upset. I mean, it's hard to find language to describe how upset they are. They are overwrought. Um, they've been told that Jesus is going to die. They thought he was going to set up 
you know, a, a, an insurrection against the Roman, Empire, Roman Empire and, and get the Jews their homeland and state back and all of that. Uh, Jesus had told them that one of them was actually going to sell him out, and in the middle of the night, he walked out of the room. He said that everybody else would run away, and he said that one of them, Peter, the spokesperson for the group, would actually deny him three times before the rooster crowed. So they're, they're sitting there, and they don't know which way to turn or what to do, and Jesus says, settle down. And then he strangely tells them the story about a Jewish marriage and says, I'm, you're worried that I'm going to die, but here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to my father's house, like a bridegroom does. And if I go to my father's house, you know that what a bridegroom would usually be doing is preparing a place for his bride. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back and get you. So, and then he says, and you know the road that I'm taking. Well, finally, the disciples decide that they better actually say what's on their hearts. And Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you're going. So against the awkwardness, against the, the fear, against the, the, the wondering of, of this group of people, one of them, who, who did tend to be a bit of a skeptic, he said, you say we know the way to get to your father's house? We don't know where you're going. And we have no idea how to get there. Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. Philip said, Master, aha, that's it. Show us the Father. Then we'll be content. So he says, now we're going to get somewhere. You're telling us about the Father's house. We understand what that is, but we don't know where it is. We don't know how to get there, even though you say we know the way. So, yeah, that's it. If you would show us the Father, that would satisfy all of us. And Jesus said, what you need to know is that I, I am the road to the Father. But then he goes on and says some things to them that are really quite shocking. Um, after Philip says, show us the master, we'll be content, Jesus says this, you've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand. To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. Packed into that little discourse is the heart of the Christian faith, of the heart of Christian belief. Jesus said, and this is one of the most familiar sayings of his, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But let's see it in the context of this conversation and understand what it is he's building here and how it becomes for us um, kind of the touchstone of faith, belief in Jesus. He says, you know the way. And they say, we, we, don't, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, well, I am the way. And when he said it, and what we have recorded by John, is this really emphatic language. So there's a verb. The verb means I am. But then there's also a pronoun, I, 
And John says, what, what Jesus said was this, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. So to get something straight, he does not say, I'm a way. He says, I, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, why is it necessary for him to add truth and life to way? Because the context is just, how do you get to the Father? And the answer to that question is, you get to the Father through Jesus. He says, I'm the way to the Father. So he doesn't need to say, and I am the truth and I am the life, unless somehow or other he's wanting to build more into this than the simple answer to the question, how do you see the Father? How do you get to the Father's house? What's the way to the Father? The simple part of the answer is the first part, where Jesus says, I, I'm the way. So however they can figure that out, he's making it absolutely clear to them that there's a way to get to the Father. There's a way to the Father's house. There's a way to the Father's kingdom, and it's him. Now, how that works, they're going to have to figure out. They're going to have to understand what he's doing. They're going to have to realize what it was for him to die and then to be raised from the dead, and then to leave and go back to heaven. But in, in all of that will be their understanding of his statement that he himself is the way. But he then makes it much more universal, and he says, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. And I've been thinking for the last few weeks about what it is that he's meaning when he says that he's the truth and he's the life. So we back up to the start of all of this, and we ask the question, um, what's the way to God? And Jesus says, I, I am the way to the Father. And so we, we might ask in these days, okay, that's a pretty bold claim. Are there other ways to the Father? Are there other ways to God? And in a world like ours, and in a society like ours, when we see people who are of, of faithful devotion to other religions, is there a way that they get to the Father? And somehow or other, can that be fit with what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the way to the Father? What he says after this, I think, absolutely answers that question for me. And this is a very important question because there are friends of ours whom we might sit with and they will have various reasons that they're not interested in Christianity. One of them will be our claim about the exclusiveness of Jesus, right? About the uniqueness of Jesus. They will say, I cannot accept a religion that says only people who believe in Jesus get to the afterlife, get to God, get to heaven. So, so what do we say about that? I think we have to go back and listen to Jesus one more time and ask, in, in, in the context of those questions, how do we fit our understanding of Jesus saying, I am the way. I am the way to the Father. I think it's wrapped up in him also claiming to be the truth and the life and, and what he says after that. So truth, um, I mean, in one of the trials, what is truth? The philosophical question of, of the centuries, right? What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the truth? I, I think he's talking ab about a, a philosophical commodity that has to do with cognition and being sentient beings. Okay, I've said it. So 
let me now unpack that. I think he's talking about the human propensity or the human ability uniquely to be thinking beings. Um, dogs think. Cats don't. They connive. That, that's the verb that belongs with cats, right? Dogs think, where can I get food? Right. So we presume that animals don't think like, like we think. Um, and when we think, we are immediately thrown into a world of objective, subjective reality where there are things that in a binary structure are either right or wrong, true or false. So many, many things that are aspects of our thinking because we're human beings, we are thinking, considering beings, have to do with the choices between this and that. Is this the right way or is that the right way or is there another way? Is this the right choice or is that the right choice? Is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? And I think what Jesus is doing is he's stepping onto the stage of human life and he's saying, as well as understanding that I'm the way, I'm the answer to your spiritual life, I am the way to God, but I'm also the way to every answer that you need to have in living your human life. I'm the answer to what's right and wrong, true and false, good and bad. I'm the answer to what is science discovering because for me it's a delight when you discover anything that science is showing you because I made it all anyway. So when you discover something from science, I say yes because I made that and I'm glad you've discovered the, the same thing that was in my mind in the creation of everything. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Remember a couple of weeks ago we saw John in Revelation where he said there was this being who appeared behind him, this phenomenal bright being that made him fall down in fear. And the being spoke and said, don't be afraid. I'm the living one. I think what Jesus is saying along with I'm the way is that I am the, arbit I'm the, the giver, the arbiter of everything true and false, right and wrong, good and bad. I am the complete storehouse of knowledge. It's all mine. And as well as that, I'm life itself. I am consciousness. Uh, one of the big human mysteries is consciousness, isn't it? Where does it come from? When do you become a conscious being? I saw a phenomenal little clip the other week from uh, a baby that was born without breaking out of the the umbilical sac, right? So you could see the baby as, as the, it would have been in the womb. And it just brings us into places in our minds where you think, when, when does that baby have consciousness? When, when does that baby know things? And there are studies about when babies can feel things, they can feel pain, they can even seem happy, they can, you know, they suck their thumbs like they're supposed to. And all. But, but still, wherever it is, some point in time is the point where consciousness starts. And some point in time is where consciousness, at least in the earthly experience of it, stops. And don't you wonder if, you, if you've been at the, at the bed of someone who's passing away, and there's that, as much as it was a fight for a person to be born, there's a parallel fight when a person is dying. We struggle to come into this life, we struggle to leave this life, but when a person leaves her body or his body, 
We just have a sense that the consciousness that that person owned has now gone. We think it was actually transferred along. But that we know by faith and that we know from the example of Jesus. But there, there is this phenomenon that is not just mechanical, right? It's not just physical. There's something about humanness and really about all animal life or all life um, that is a degree of conscious experience. And I think what Jesus is saying is this. You really don't know who I am yet because the preliminary part of this is for me to have you understand somehow that I'm the way to the Father. But on top of that, I am truth. Not, not just I have truth or I can find truth. I am truth. And I am life. Now, come with me because then the question, is Jesus the only way to the Father, begins to be a little moot or redundant. Because here's what he goes on to say. When they say, there you go, if you could only show us the Father, we'd all be happy. And Jesus said, really? Have I been with you so long and you don't know me? There's a doctrine in the Christian faith called the Trinity. It's not a verse that's in the Bible that we go to to prove it conclusively. It's not a word in the Bible. But it is something that Jesus leads us to figure out as he talks about himself. Here he begins. He says, you see me? Guess who you're seeing? The Father. Have I been with you for three years? And you don't get that when you look at me? You're looking at God. When you're looking at me, you're looking at the Father. Because I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And he said, the things that I talk about and do, they're not just me. It's the Father's words that are birthed in me and brought into existence as deeds by the Father. Where is the Father, he says? Don't you know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me. And remember I told you that in all of these chapters in John, the key word is abide or be at home or dwell. Jesus says, just like I'm telling you that I'm the true vine and you should abide in me, just like I'm telling you that in my Father's house there are lots of abiding places where we hang out in relationship connected to one another. He said, the Father is at home in me. Not he comes and goes. He, he's saying, when you look at me, you're looking at the Father because the Father lives in me. Just like all of these ways that I'm talking to you about dwelling and being at home, the Father is at home in me. And so when you see me, you see the Father. Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father's in me. And then he says, look, if that's too hard for you to figure out, explain to me how I could do these deeds. How could I possibly do what I've done in your sight, in your experience, if I'm an ordinary human being of some kind or a great rabbi? So I'm telling you that when you see me, you see the Father. I'm telling you that the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. I'm telling you that everything that comes from me is coming from the Father. I'm telling you that the Father lives in me. And if that doesn't convince you these words that I speak to you, how else can you explain what I've been able to do?
except that I'm not an ordinary rabbi. If you would just show us the Father, man, we'd be satisfied. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Three years later, you don't know who I am. I am the Father. We, we come to understand that there is a third aspect to the Trinity or person of the Trinity or member of the Trinity. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit. And later in John, Jesus says, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. And when he's talking about him coming back to us, he clearly then later on is coming back to us as the spirit of Jesus. And I have to tell you, there is no way to explain the Trinity. You can try. You might as well try. It's, it's a lot of fun. But it's not, there's just no way to explain it. It's what the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Father, as he says here. And much as the disciples might have pushed back, they would not have been able to understand it. How can you be the Father and you at the same time? I mean, they, could, they couldn't grasp simpler concepts than that. How do we understand that there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? How do we get the whole story of the Bible that begins with God talking to himself where God says, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. What was happening back before we were even thought of, or maybe we were already thought of but not planned for, Jesus said to the Father, I want them to be with me so that they can see the glory that I had with you before the world began. When we were a perfect friendship. So it's not three roles It's not three um, modes. It's not like an egg. It's not like the states of water. They're all interesting ideas. But the yolk is not the egg. The yolk's only part of the egg. Um, Water in liquid form is only one mode of water. It's not all of the water all at the same time. Jesus is the Father while he's the Spirit, and the Father is the Son while he's the Spirit. That's what we're told. Now, that being the case... And for that to be granted to be the case, we have needed to go back to this life of Jesus and say, what did he say? What did he mean? Do we have an accurate record of what he said and did? If we can check all of those boxes, then here's what Jesus said and what we believe is true, is that Jesus is not just the way to God. He is God. So that's what answers the question for me. It makes the question moot or redundant. How could Jesus be one of many ways to God if he, in fact, is God? Right? I mean, am I missing something? Or if it is true that he is God himself thoroughly, could there be somebody else that would compete with him to be accessed to him? It's, it's just kind of silliness, right? I mean, it, humanly, it's, it's logical for us to try to figure it out. Is there more than one way to God? Well, Jesus says, let me set them something straight with you. I'm not just the way to God because I am truth itself. I am life itself. Does that remind you of anyone else? Yes, we believe that God is truth and life. Well, that's who I am. You want to know how to get to the Father? Through me. And guess what? When you come through me, who is it that you meet on the way? You meet the Father. Because that's who I am. In our human minds, we have a hierarchy. 
God's at the top, the Father. Jesus is number two, and the Holy Spirit's number three. So then it would make sense that the Holy Spirit might do his work to bring us to Jesus, who is the way, who leads us to the Father, whom we truly want to know. Jesus says, well, that's kind of silly, because that's who I am. I am the way, but when you realize who I am, you realize that I am God himself. Is there any point then to wondering if there's another way to Jesus, which is the way to God? Now, I want to back off a little bit and say all of that being the case, it honestly doesn't matter to me how Jesus works out being both the way to the Father and the Father himself. It just satisfies me that there's not another candidate. So it's, it's not a spirit being, it's not a prophet. There's nobody that can line up with Jesus and say, we're all equally ways to the Father. Because Jesus would say, well, that's silly because that's who I am. Are there other ways to Jesus? I don't know. Um, Does everybody who is granted access to Jesus slash the Father, um, is, is it all the same way? Well, no, it's not all the same way. People who have never heard the gospel... Are they excluded from knowing Jesus slash the Father because they've never heard it? I don't think so. We certainly claim that little children who have not heard or understood are in heaven. Jesus says, don't you offend them because their faces behold or their angels behold the face of my Father in heaven. And when I talk with parents who lose children before they're born or after they're born, to be able to say to them, I know for sure that your child is in the presence of Jesus. That's an easier one to imagine. What if somebody really faithfully believes in a religion? I don't know. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. How he opens that way is his business. And I've discovered that he's very good at getting around the logistics in these days, there are many of the um, Muslim faith who are coming to Jesus through dreams and visions. How are they getting to heaven? They're not getting to heaven through Muhammad. But they are getting to heaven sometimes because in the Quran, they are told about Isa and they start to investigate Isa, which is Jesus, and they realize that he is God. Muhammad is not. He's not maybe even the best way to God as as they study and figure it out. But as Jesus appears to them, he says, there's only one God, it's me. There's only one way to me, it's me. How would you like to meet me? So a few years ago, Phil and I spent days delighting in stories of those from the, the faith of Islam who have come to know Jesus by dreams and visions. There was one fellow, I remember we sat on a balcony looking over the city of Beirut, and we asked him to tell us the story. He had been um, a fighter. He had been someone who um, persecuted Christians. He was a mujahideen for the Hezbollah. And we asked him how he came to know Jesus. And as I remember, and Phil can maybe clarify for me, he said, I prayed to Allah, that Allah would help me. And he said, I had a vision. And in the vision, 
my father Abraham came to me and he was not the help. And then the prophet came to me, but he passed by and was not the help. And then he said, Esau came to me. And we said, how did you know it was Esau? And what did he say, Phil? He says, I knew him by the, the, the incredible peace that reigned over my heart as I met him and by being overwhelmed by the truth of who he was. And Esau came, and here he is now um, through the land preaching the gospel of Jesus. And it just brings me to the point of saying, I don't have to worry about how Jesus works this out. I know there's only one way to God because there's only one God and it is Jesus himself. So it's a redundant discussion that says maybe there are other paths. There are other paths to something. And there may be witnesses in other religions that bring people, but it it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's Jesus who is God. And so he's the way to himself. And our job is to tell people that. And you say, well, maybe Jesus is good enough to do it by himself. Yeah, but he told us to do it. So wouldn't it be wonderful if we had the privilege of doing what he might not need to do because we've gone ahead and done it. So Jesus is saying, I've got a 1,000 visions to hand out tonight. If you guys would take care of about 200 just witnesses, it'll save me on the visions. I don't know. If you would just show us the Father, that would make us happy. You have to understand that I am the Father. And I am confident that we sell Jesus short on his deity. We love his humanity, and so we should. But he is Almighty God. And the thing that that brings me to then is what John starts his whole um, letter or his whole um, gospel account with, where he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he came and he lived among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Nobody has ever seen the Father, but the Son has exegeted him for us. He has explained him to us. So that's why here we want to just keep going back to Jesus, because the filter, the screen, the means by which we know exactly what God is like is Jesus. We interpret the whole Bible on the basis of what Jesus said and did because he was the perfect final demonstration, the exact representation of the glory of God. Jesus said, I'm not just your friend. I'm not just your master. I'm not just the son of God. I'm God himself. So if you want to come to God, come to me. And then John says, and we watched him, and he did show the the brilliance of the Son of God, God himself living with us and showing us the nature of the Father. And the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know God, you you come to know me. So we will keep looking at the person of Jesus, the life of Jesus, because we want to know God. We're going to launch, beginning next week, into the stories Jesus told from one of the, the records. And just here we'll... When God came to spend three and a half years talking to us, what stories did he tell? Why did he tell us those stories? What do they mean for us so that we can know him better? So, are there other ways to heaven apart from Jesus? No. It's only one way to God is Jesus. It's Jesus' business how he makes himself accessible. You know... Does he have um, passes for people? 
my, my children, when they were growing up in a dysfunctional pastor's home, um, would tell their friends that they could give their friends heaven passes because they were granted a certain number of heaven passes. And we thought that was funny, <laughs> sort of, because it then excused everybody's behavior because they had these Trump passes they could pull out of their back pockets. Don't worry about it. Here's one. You're good. My son was working with, um, actually, a, a well-known Canadian uh, wheelchair athlete who died. And I went to, to conduct his funeral at Variety Village. There were hundreds of, of challenged young adults there. And my son got up to tell his version of the guy's story. And as Colin talked about it, he, he said, I gave him a get-out-of-hell-free card because my dad has those. And afterwards, I said, Colin, what are you talking about? He said, Dad, you know what I'm talking about. I told him about Jesus. And he trusted Jesus. So it wasn't an actual get-out-of-hell-free card. It was telling him the good news about Jesus. And he said, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to see him when we get there. So tell people. Because when you tell them about Jesus, you're telling them about God. And when you tell them about how to get to know God, you can tell them it's, it's all Jesus. Just go read what he said and did. And how could you not want to love him and follow him? And leave it up to him who gets in. But, but tell the story as much as you can. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for helping us uh, day by day to understand more of what's true about you from your word. And thank you for Jesus. Thank you that... You sent him so we could have answers to the deep questions that we have and solutions to our needs. And Lord Jesus, we bless you as God himself. We, we declare that you are the Lord of heaven and earth who always was, always will be. And to know that you are our friend and our Lord as well as our God just cap captures our imagination and thrills us. So thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life and that you are the way to the Father. Amen. Liberty to decide to stand or sit or posture yourself how you will, but let's sing these important words together in worship to God.
Well, in the last uh, year, there's been lots of change for Southside. And uh, this morning, Aaron uh, would like to speak to you about another change that's coming. Erin is such a sweetheart <laughs> that sometimes things are hard to do. So I'm just going to read a letter that she's uh, asked me to read to you. She says, to my church family, today I'm announcing that I will be stepping down from my role as director of worship. It's taken me a long time to come to this decision, but we have prayed that the Lord would guide us through this decision-making process, and we know that he was faithful to do that. Though I have always loved leading a team of talented and dedicated folks on this worship team and love leading you all each Sunday, it has become increasingly challenging for me in this role as a full-time mom and as a family, we feel stretched for me to continue on staff at this time. She says, I want to especially thank all of you in this family of believers who have cheered us on, spoken kind words of encouragement, prayed for us, and helped us in practical ways. We love our church 